This is Backspin Golf with Matthew Lawrence. Your 803 Tea Time every Sunday morning right here on ESPN Sports Radio 1392.5. Backspin Golf is brought to you by Clark's Pump and Shop, Lexington Parks and Recreation, Edwin Watts Golf, and Georgetown Advantage Air. Let's join your host, Matthew Lawrence, for Backspin Golf. Good morning. Good morning. Come on, people. Up and at them. Let's go. Let's go. I've been up for a very long time already. Very long time. Yesterday, too. On that first tee yesterday at the Dome, 7.15. I was there before that, too. Because I get excited when I'm going to play golf. I hope you do, too. As always, we have a great show for you this morning. Before I get to who's going to join us today, a couple of things I want to mention. Uh, First, during the Travelers Championship in Connecticut this weekend, elevated event a week after the U.S. Open. Well, they got a lot of the top guys there, most of them. That's what they wanted. Rory McIlroy had his first hole-in-one in a PGA Tour event in his career. He has played, I think this is right, 3,521 par threes in his career on the PGA Tour. 3,521 and made his first hole-in-one a couple of days ago. So great. Just seeing his face, and uh, it was great. But it just, again, goes to show you something we all know, that are involved in golf. What a weird game it is. Because I know a couple of guys who can't hit the ball more than 70 yards and have like five holes in one, where they bang it off a rock, a tree, a car, goes across the green, goes in the hole. It takes skill to hit it close on a par three. It's luck when it goes in, period. We all know that. Anyway, way to go, Rory. Uh, secondly, uh, if you're, you should watch today the KPMG championship, uh, PGA championship on the LPGA Tour, a major, uh, being played at Baltusrol this week. I have played Baltusrol. It is an unbelievably great golf course. How about this, Sean? You know who I played golf with there? You wouldn't have any idea. Uh, In 1992, a week after the U.S., remember the dream team in basketball? Uh Uh-huh. Chuck Daly was the coach of that team. A week after they got back from Barcelona... I played Baltus Roll with, I don't like to brag, but my buddy Andrew McCarthy, P.J. Carlissimo, and Coach Chuck Daly. And I'll tell you a funny story about this. Later, I'll tell you. Anyway, we got a great show today. Chuck Culpepper, who was at the U.S. Open in L.A., will join me, as always, so great. Justin Tereshko, head golf coach at... Oh, EKU, the Colonels, and the Kentucky State Am winner, 
And then Garrett Johnston will join me as well. Morning, Chris Mascaro. Next on the tee, best golf pass. Pass? Well, whatever. Best golf podcast there is. Let's get going. Every single time I speak with Chuck Culpepper, I am I consider it a success if I can get the words out to actually speak with him because I'm so in awe of him and his writing, everything about him uh, is legendary to me. Hi, Chuck Culpepper. I don't know what to say. Well, you don't, you really don't have to say anything. Thank you. really you. don't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, hi, Chuck. <laughs> Hello, Matt. Uh, you are, now you've been covering the uh, U.S. Open at LACC, as you know, we like to call it. Those of us who are close to the people at that restrictive country club, but we'll talk about that. Um, you are, I want to first start off with this incredibly fascinating obsession you have with planes taking off from airports or landing at airports. Can you explain, is it just because you travel all over the world and you've been to so many airports all over the world and you just, you wonder about where planes have been and where they're coming from? Yes, I think it gives, I think I feel connected to the world when I do that. And um, at the Los Angeles airport, I just had a, a room where they have a, uh, they had, a, they gave a balcony, which was really nice, where I could just sit out, out there and look at just two sets of runway. Yeah. I could see both in different ways. Oh, oh. And it was just thrilling, you know, just, and so you see like different times of the day they're coming in from, oh gosh, Melbourne. I saw Australia. I saw one yesterday, uh, Taipei, uh, then there's ones like Las Vegas, and you're thinking, well, yeah, gosh, you know, you don't even get a drink on, no, on there. You no. get maybe a sip. A <laughs> sip I think. Uh, okay, and but so, you wait. This that begs the question. So you have? How do you find out? Like in the text you sent me yesterday, which was great. There is a shot of a, a beautiful shot because you're a great photographer too. Uh, of an ITA Airways flight that left Rome 12 hours ago. So do you have you have some kind of, is it an app or something where you can see flight plans of these planes? It is an app where you, uh, you click on the, you can see like little, I don't know what you would call them, little planes on the app. So, and you just click on the plane and it shows, Flight number, wow. airline, wow. where from or to, wow. how long in the air. Um, there's a, I guess there's a couple of these apps. Uh, this is um, so great. So it's just, it's just. I mean, I can't, I can't, you know, I, I can't even really look at planes without wondering. Okay, anymore, like, oh, where's that going? It's so great, but it does. When you say it, you feel it connects you to the world. That makes a, I don't know what this says about me, but it, it makes a lot of sense to me now that that, that happens. Uh, all right, let's go. So you, when did you get to L.A. to cover the U.S. Open? Uh, Monday afternoon, the 12th. Okay. So eight days ago, yeah. So you were there for the whole U.S. Open week. 
uh, yes. extravaganza. Can you give me a sense of, uh, real quickly, I'm going to tell you what most of us thought, and me in particular. Having lived in L.A. for 20 years, I never played the L.A. Country Club. I played every other golf course anywhere around there. Uh, it, it was always known as the most restrictive club out there, uh, other than Cypress Point, maybe, in L.A., but I, I played that golf course. But it didn't really hit home until after the tournament yesterday when so many people talked about the fact that it was a total corporate U.S. Open, that the members bought a great deal of the tickets that went on sale, so it never had the feel of a U.S. Open with gigantic crowds and all that kind of things. Can you give us a sense of what that week was like out there? You know, and as you know, uh, you can, and people have talked about this a lot, you can live in Los Angeles, as I did for four years, and not know it's not there. Right. You know, you, and drive on those boulevards past it all the time. And and I remember when I first learned that they were going to have it there, I, I used to live, I used to rent a family's attic <laughs> in Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, that, and it went Wilshire club went went by it in the back and i thought oh is that the course you know so it had this element of mystery to it to a lot of us to begin with and then as far as the feel that you're talking about um you know it's tight yeah the uh the and so it's and it's kind of tucked into a metropolis like that and so you can't get as many spectators right you know and right and i think that element made it a couple things there were very odd impasses in it you know you knew you would walk a certain direction and then couldn't walk anymore that i wasn't you know accustomed to yeah and then the other thing was i think yeah it was it was a crowd where you know it, it was just not as big as other major tournaments and so I don't know. For me, that kind of gave it something, a uniqueness that I liked, and but also a little bit of inconvenience, which I ah. didn't mind, but, but okay. it was there. Okay. Uh, so that's the, the crowd sense of it. Uh, and, of course, as we came to the weekend, there were different storylines. What would happen between the players that were playing there from Liv and, you know, the PGA Tour guys and – all that, that seemed to disappear pretty quickly uh, during the week, which I was glad for, even though I hate some of those live guys. Uh, but then we had the actual tournament, and over the weekend, there was a real sense, especially Sunday, of, f- like for me, I wanted Rory to win or Ricky to win for obvious different reasons, but also I was fine. I kept saying, if Wyndham Clark wins this, I will be fine with that too because of his story. And we all heard about it, about his mom passing away, everything. That seemed to me to be kind of unique. Usually in a Sunday of a major, it's there's a good guy and a bad guy. Like, I don't want that guy to win. This was different. I was okay with any of the three of them, really. I think when... You have to do when you have to write a story about it. You kind of want 
Rory or Ricky. It's not like right, being a fan right. yeah. of them. Yeah. But that's the story you want to write. And, you know, when Rory walked out of Valhalla in 2014, Louisville with those storm clouds coming in, I remember it. Um, they had to finish it fast faster yeah. than they wanted. Um, people were p- talking about double digit majors for him. That was four out of the last 15 at that point. Right. To have this drought go on for so long is astounding. And yeah. so you kind of want to see it end. And I had to do two, <clears throat> two editions of stories. The first right, had to be done pretty much on top of when it was finishing. <clears throat> so I wrote that about McElroy and who would have known that he would miss out on a major because of Wyndham Clark. But then, right. <laughs> then I rewrote the whole thing for later because Wyndham Clark just, I don't know, it just grabbed me. It won, he, it won me over uh, yeah. the scene on the green. Yep. And it's a hugely impressive thing to, you know, the contenders had 58 majors. That's Rory with, uh, with 28 top tens and four titles. You know, 48 majors, that's Ricky with 12 top 10. Yep. Uh, Scheffler, 16 majors, eight top 10s and a master's title and a number one ranking. And then this guy who was in his seventh major and had never finished better than 75. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's the one who wins. Yeah. So it, he really, sometimes I think um, <clears throat> Americans don't like sports themselves. You know, the, the the sport itself, and that's why we always talk about, oh, no, Denver winning is not good for the NBA. Right, we need it to be right. Boston, L.A., when you could just, if you just liked the essence of the sport itself, those things wouldn't matter. Right. So here is a case of that where, you know, we're, we're, we're talking about after that golf tournament um, <clears throat> who won and who didn't win, and um, sometimes who didn't win is louder than who, right. who won. Yeah, but, you know, as usual, that's perfectly said, and you would know this better than almost anybody, because you do, you travel the world covering these events. Um, I looked at all your pictures. You were just at Roland Garros in Paris covering the French Open, and so you have a much more global view of sports in general, especially than Americans have, especially because, well, that's all I'll say about that but uh that's just really well said all right before i let you go where are you off to now <laughs> i almost hesitate to ask because uh, i you know I, I i have no idea where you're going now where are you going now so i sat the other night and sunday night and watched a plane at uh <laughs> mid- midnight los angeles time and i looked at the app and clicked on it because they give the sizes of the planes on that. You can tell what the big ones and small ones are. Yeah. So this one was a Colossus. Oh. So I oh. thought, where's that going? So I clicked on it. <laughs> it was going on the runway, and it was a Qantas headed for Melbourne. And I just started thinking, oh, my gosh. You know, A, that's going to be over the Pacific Ocean for about 13 hours. That's yeah. going to be quite a ride. And B, it's time for me to start thinking about it because that's, that's what's next because of the World Cup which yep. is going to be incredible. Yes, and, it is. Uh, from July 20th in Australia and New Zealand. So I can Okay, so you that. so you have basically a month till your next uh venture into the world and uh you'll be 
halfway across around the globe covering the uh, U.S. Women's World Cup, right? Well, they, we'll have three people there, so I will be um, have uh, our soccer writer, Stephen Goff, incredible yeah. um, on the U.S. I'll be on the U.S. sometimes, but I'll pick from other sides, and I'm particularly fascinated by Haiti. Ah. And I, I'm so inspired that they're in, and I really want to see them play and follow them, so that'll be some of it. And then others will be, you know, some of the England and um, yeah. Yeah. other and you, top teams. And you'll be writing about didgeridoos and all kinds of stuff like that, too. I know you will, because that's what you I do. will. I yeah. will. Okay. I'm hoping to go to a cricket match, too. Oh, yeah. Now we're talking. I don't know if they have them in winter. <laughs> It'll be the dead of winter. Oh, that's right. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um, well, as as I said uh, to you in a in a text, you are now. Just let me finish. You are a genius, and you don't have to react. But the phrasing and the phrases you come up with to write stories about these incredible global global sports events i have absolutely no idea every time i read a column of yours i come to a sentence and i go how did he think of that of putting those words together and you do it better than anybody in the world and i'm blessed to call you a friend how's that well i'm privileged to call you a friend matthew thank you so much well uh all right i'll be talking to you before you go uh over around the world we will talk feel free to call me there at all the wrong hours okay i will <laughs> okay bye chuck i love you bye bye, bye matthew love you bye <laughs> backspin golf with matthew lawrence is brought to you by commonwealth credit union welcome back welcome back uh this is a pretty exciting phone call for me because as we all know, I'm wrapped up in the world of golf, obviously. And uh, when I get a message from a friend of mine saying, uh, you should have Justin Tereshko on your show, who and I knew about Justin. I saw that he had just won the Kentucky State Amateur, which we'll talk about that. But I didn't know that Justin was as big-time a player as he was which makes it even more exciting. And he's now the head coach at one of our favorite places, EKU. Head golf coach at EKU. So we got a lot to talk to him about, especially that he played for Coach Brian Lane. And we all know how I feel about Coach Lane. There's going to be some Coach Lane bashing going on here. (laughs) Hi, Justin. (laughs) Hey, hey, thanks for having me on. No, it's great to talk to you, man. I'm really excited about this. Now, for people just listening, tuning in, who may not know what we're talking about, I always call Coach Lane the best coach in America. And that's both golf and basketball because he likes when I say things like that. But (laughs) you – you played at Trancy. You graduated in 2012. You played with our friend Greg Turcott, uh, who is the one that, that introduced me to you, and I'm glad that he did. Um, and now you're the head coach at EKU uh, after stops along the way, assistant coaches and being an assistant coach and 
head coach at different places. Uh, first, let's talk about EKU and how you got there. Uh, last August, you were named the head coach there, right? Yes, that's correct. Tell us the, how that came about. The previous coach there decided to uh, just decided that he wanted to get out of coaching, and the job opened up. And you know, I had bounced around a couple places. I lived in I lived in Lexington since I got married in the summer of 2018, uh-huh. and I had been an assistant coach at Louisville for a couple years. I had been a head coach at Bellarmine for a year, and I was the head men's and women's coach at Hanover College in Hanover, Indiana, which is actually where I'm from. Uh And all four of those years, I was commuting from Lexington. Oh, oh, Lord. (laughs) So, yes, yes, it was not not, not ideal. Uh, So as soon as I saw that the EKU position opened up, I was, yeah, I was very, I was very interested and eager to, you know, hop on it. I knew the women's coach because um, the women's coach uh, was actually uh, Mandy Moore. She is the cousin of one of my roommates in college, Matthew Martin, who's the head coach at Oh no, State, now hold it, not Matthew Martin too. <laughs> this whole there, there's something about you, this group of guys, you, Turcotte, Matthew Martin. It's just. It's too much for me. Well, I'm glad I finally met you because I know those two idiots are ready. I mean, I mean, guys. Yes, yes. But no, just, and, you know, it was just after interviewing and seeing everything that they had to offer, um, it was just a no-brainer for me, and I was really hopeful and very lucky that they decided to offer me the job. So, um, you know, I'm, and, you know, I told them that even though I've bounced around the last five years or so, every, every, Everyone has been to get close has been to stay in coaching and stay close to my family. Yeah, and living in I, I do still live in Lexington. It's about a twenty five thirty minute drive from my house. I was Baltimore, I was just going to say going much to, much better than what. It oh has yeah, been. going to Richmond's a little easier than driving to some of the other places you've you've been to. Uh, before I want to ask you your thoughts on what just happened in L.A. at the Open, but. Uh, this whole thing, when Greg texted me this, your amateur career was really unbelievable. And in 2014, in the USM, uh, you know, it wasn't some little piddly little tournament. This was in the US amateur. You played a guy named Xander Shoffley, right? I did. In the round <laughs> of 64. Now, he's turned out to be a pretty good player. He, he, he's made significantly more money than I have. <laughs> but you will always be able to say this. You beat him like a drum in the U.S. Amateur. You beat him seven and six. Are you kidding me? Were you, like, laughing during this whole match or what? So that by far that is the most speed of putts I've ever hold in a round of golf, and I only played 12 holes. <laughs> Oh, so, oh boy! I only played twelve holes, and you know, the, the, it was a funny story. I saw I ran into Xander. He, he this was maybe twenty seventeen, yeah, I think, at the uh, Wells Fargo at uh, Eagle Point in Wilmington, North Carolina. It was Quail Hollow was hosting the PGA that year, yeah. And I was the coach at Guilford College in Greensboro, North Carolina, yep. at this time. And we had an alum playing in the golf tournament because he was the PGA, Carolina's PGA section player of the year, and he got in the tournament. And I hopped in the van with a couple of the guys on the team who didn't have class, and we went drove down to Wilmington to watch him play on Thursday afternoon, first round. 
not until we are pulling into the parking lot, one of the guys in the back seat says, Coach, do you know who Savio's playing with? I said, no. He said he's playing with Xander Shoffley. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. So we get up to the tent. We were on the 10th tee watching him getting ready to tee off, which is a par three. And Xander's caddy, Austin, who is still his caddy now, and he caddied for him back in the USAM, he kind of looked at me and kind of did a double take and kind of gave me a head nod <laughs> before he teed off. And he tapped Xander on the shoulder, and Xander turns over, and he just kind of he just kind of gives me a head nod and smiles, and that's the only that's the only interaction I've had with him since. But at least in 2017, he still remembered. I'm not sure about now. Yeah, but. well, he you know what? He'll never forget that. I don't care what he says. I mean, you it's you didn't beat him, you know, two and one or something. You beat him seven and six. So yes. good for him. And obviously, he's has had a great career, and everybody likes Xander. He's not a guy that you you don't like. Um, I, okay, so this brings up the question to me. When you, you were ranked in the top 100 amateurs in the world, how, why did you think about or did you try to make it on tour? Did you go to Q school? What happened? Why aren't you playing? Why weren't we watching you this weekend in L.A.? I have never never turned professional, never thought about turning professional. Oh. I, I Coming out of college, you know, I had a, pretty decent college career at Transy, but it was division three. Yeah. Um, you know, division three guys can play, but you know, there's a reason that when you turn on the TV, you, you don't see people from trans, you don't see people with yeah. Transylvania next to their name on the leaderboard. Huh. Um, <laughs> and you know, I wanted to stay in golf, did not want to be a PGA pro. Um, so coaching was, uh, coaching was just something that I hopped into immediately right after graduating. And I still liked competing, still continued to play. And, I had progressively gotten better every single year from the time I started playing golf. And, you know, I, I'd like to still think I'm getting better. Yeah. <laughs> As, and so I, each year I've just been better than before. And, you know, I have two small kids now and, a, a, you know, head coach at a division one school and, you know, it's just traveling around the country and stuff just is not, right. is not, not, it's not my cup of tea anymore. I'm, you know, I kind of like playing the stuff local, and you know, I'll still try and qualify for the USAM, the US Midam. Uh, yeah, you know, as long as it fits the schedule. Good. It's also hard because those are those are kind of during the fall season. I'm already gone five to six weekends a year in the fall. Yeah. You know, when when I tell the wife another one, <laughs> you know, you know, I don't really want to be gone another one either. So, um, you know, I kind of, you know, I, I like the little niche that I found myself in, and you know, I, I'll just continue to do this. I'll continue to play competitively until one, two things. One, um, I start losing to my ears everything every single time we play, and two, when I stop having fun. So there you go. Well, it's it, it's just it sounds great. And uh, let's talk for a minute. You just won the uh, Kentucky State Am. Now, all around this country, they have the state amateur titles, but I know. Here in this is a big deal in Kentucky because there's a lot of really good amateur golfers in this state. Greg Turcott keeps telling me how good he is. I mean, he's never won the Kentucky <laughs> State Am, but I know for a fact there are a lot of really, really good players in this state. So that's that's pretty. That's a pretty big deal to win the Kentucky State Am. Yeah, I was, I was, I'm, I'm so happy and, and honored to be the 109th. Um, champion of the event. Wow. I know there's a lot. There's a lot of there's a there's major champions that are that are listed on that trophy. Right. I just right. you know it's sitting 
you know, it's sitting on the, it's sitting on my kitchen table in my house right now. And every time I sit down, I mean, it's so big, there's nowhere to put it. Um, but you know, you know, every time I just see a new name, like, oh my goodness, I can't believe my name's on the trophy with the likes of, you know, I believe Jody Mudd's on there, yeah. Ted Scholes is on there, tour winners and stuff like that. Yep. Um, so, you know, and especially I, I lost in a playoff in 2018, um, because, uh, Fabi, I can't remember his last name, but he played at UK, um, made a 60-footer on the last hole to tie me. Oh. And the ball hit the back of the cup. You know, I'm sure I'm sure at some point I said the ball hopped three feet in the air and dropped back in, but <laughs> and then I ended up and then I ended up losing in a playoff. So it was uh it was kind of nice to finish birdie birdie um to win by one outright and avoid the playoff. Wow. That that's strong. Finishing birdie birdies strong. Um let me ask you about that trophy. So you get to keep that for a year now? Uh, I don't think it's quite a year because they need to have it back to, to clean it and to put my name on it and stuff. But uh-huh. I think at least I'll get to keep it for a majority for, for of the summer. And I'll prob- yeah, I'll probably give it back by the end of the year. Now, let me ask you this. Here's, I have an idea. I, don't, I, I haven't seen it, so I don't know what it looks like. Does it, is it like the Stanley Cup? Can you drink from it? So I, I specifically asked if I could if I could partake <laughs> beverages out of it, and um, I, I was told that's probably not a good idea by the Kentucky Golf House staff. So I'm, I'm going to respect their wishes. All right, now, <laughs> but, uh, but yes, it, it is possible to drink out. Okay, of. well here's what's going to happen. Oh, Jimmy just showed me a picture of it. Okay, here's what's going to happen because I know the Golf House people. Okay. Uh, I am going to get Turcott and Matthew Martin and Coach Lane, and the four of us are going to come over to your house, and we're going to drink from it, and I'll handle those people. Okay, <laughs> I'm 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 a okay with that. Okay, all right. Well, that'd be good. All right. Before I let you go, I know your kids are taking a nap. I love that I'm talking <laughs> to you. Well, your kids are taking a nap. Uh, be- before I let you go, what were your feelings about? Uh, this L.A., you know, the U.S. Open at the L.A. Country Club. Uh, I lived in L.A. for 20 years. I wasn't allowed to play that golf course. And I played <laughs> every golf course in California just about. But the whole thing about how restrictive it is, uh, all these stories came out now after it about, you know, the 9,000 tickets went on sale to the public, but uh, the membership bought 5,000 of them for their corporate people, and uh, it was weird. But um, I wanted Rory to win, or I wanted Ricky to win, but I was uh, it was just an incredible victory by Wyndham Clark, I thought. Oh, yes, yes. The uh, George Thomas, the architect of that golf course, is, you know, he doesn't really have that many courses. Um, he's got a bunch in the Southern California area, including right. Riviera and Bel Air. Yeah, which uh, I I was fortunate enough to play in the USAM in 2017 and got to play both of those courses. Yeah, I tried to get on LACC and uh, to uh, I had no luck. Just <laughs> shocking. Actually, <laughs> well, they actually have a mid-am event called the George Thomas Invitational. Wow. Um, at LACC, and you know I'm. Uh, you know, as much as I would love to play in it, I've still yet to get an invitation to play in it. Ho- ho- hopefully one day yeah. I'll be lucky enough to do that. But I thought the golf course was fantastic. You know, I, I did think it was a little bit of a, a little bit of a shame that not, a, not as many people could be there. Right. Um, you know, I, I get not, not wanting people to tear up your golf course and things like that, but 
you know, maybe not host the U.S. Open if that's the way that you're gonna, exactly that's the way that you're going to do it. Right. But but you know, I thought the golf was fantastic. I thought Wyndham Clark played phenomenal. You know, my my wife asked me for Father's Day, "What do you want? You know, do you want me to buy you a lawnmower? Do you want me to buy you something <laughs> golf?" And I said, I said, honey, I said you know, we're on vacation in Hilton Head right now. And I said, honey, I said I want the TV from five to 10 p.m. and that's it that is the only thing i want for father's day boy what so i you... watched the whole thing and you know i was kind of with you i was kind of hoping ricky would be able to pull out pull his first yeah. win out in four years and first major and but Wyndham played fantastic yeah. and you know the story the story about the story about him losing his mother when he was in you know i thought it was a feel-good story and and he played phenomenal and he earned it yeah he did so you're in hilton head while we're speaking yes yes that is uh, kind of a second home to me. I played in a celebrity golf tournament there for about 20 years. Um, I love that place, and it, it just sounds great. And your wife is great to ask you what you wanted. Do you want me to get you a lawnmower for Father's Day? That's pretty awesome. Well, I hope to meet her sometime, too. And uh, let's get in touch when you get back. Uh, I'd love to have you on again, and uh, we'll get yeah. the, we'll get the whole gang together yeah. and uh we'll be rooting hard for eku this year yeah that will th- thank you very much thanks for having me on my pleasure pal have a great rest of your vacation <laughs> thank you okay see ya bye backspin golf with matthew lawrence is brought to you by french lick resort casino welcome back uh it's been a little while it's always a pleasure for me to talk with my pal garrett johnston here on Backspin, you can follow him on Twitter at Johnston Garrett, J O H N S T O N G A R R E T. And I always love listening to his takes, and he does such great works work uh, with Beyond the Clubhouse, his podcast, uh, and a bunch of other stuff that he does. He's a great writer. Hi, Garrett. Hey, what's going on, Matthew? How are you? I'm good. I hope you are. It's good to talk to you again. Uh, I want to start off with you this week on your feelings about the U.S. Open and L.A. Country Club. You you have been all over to golf courses and tournaments and spoken with so many of these players uh, that I'm always interested to hear your reaction to what went on last week at the uh, U.S. Open. Yeah, no, I mean, obviously it was, it was a tournament that got pretty good ratings on Sunday. You know, the West Coast finish is going to do that as they noticed. I think, I think it goes back to Tory in 08, right? The playoff with Tiger. I think they, USDA yeah. realized it was a good, it was good to get the West Coast in the mix. And they've had six U.S. Open in California since Tory Pines in 08, you know, six out of 16, which yeah. is a pretty high rate. Um, LA it returns what was the first time in 70 something years and, um, yeah, you got different takes from the course. I know that Victor Hovland, who was really one of the pre-tournament favorites, having won Jack Nicholas's tournament two weeks before, he said he he said there were some good holes, but but nothing, no no great holes, right, at the course. And so um, it was kind of meh for a lot of players. You know, nobody was really in love with it from from what I gathered, from what I could tell. Uh, but I think the finish was interesting because it's almost like, if I'm to be critical, it's almost like Wyndham Clark won too soon for us to be ready to really appreciate his story. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Like, absolutely. We can appreciate what Ricky's been through. At age 34, he was the can't-miss kid. 
from 2014 top fives in all the majors, and he's just he's so likable. We, we've gotten to know him for 12 years, you know, 12, 13 years. And, and Wyndham Clark is just kind of like, okay, he got his first tour win at Wells Fargo a month beforehand, right? And it's like, unless you're a golf geek, you don't really know who this guy is. And I, it was great to see his emotion, right, when it, in the moment. Like, mm-hmm. And that kind of made it easier to pull for him once he, once he actually did win. Uh, we could tell what it meant to him, and his late his late mom had passed, and and that made him more emotional. Yeah. He, he mentioned and Ricky pulling him aside and saying, "Hey, your mom would be proud of you. This mm-hmm. is a really cool thing." And I even actually I was lucky. I, I texted Ricky the, uh, the next day and I said, "Hey, man, that says so much about you that you were able to get out of your own head." Yeah, and, in yeah. that moment, you know what I mean, and, yeah. and that says a lot about your character. That you know, you could let it, let that disappointment go, and you could celebrate with your friends. There, um, there are very few people that I think I can say this that most of us like more than Ricky Fowler, and it might be for different reasons. But he's such a terrific guy. Uh, you had him, and you had Rory, the other side of all of that stuff. Uh, and I thought the victory by Wyndham Clark, just golf-wise, was remarkable because those are the two guys that, that he was out there with. Those two, but then also Scotty Scheffler. Yeah. Just like yeah. waking up out of bed and, and finishes <laughs> top three, top four. Like he just, he, He's just got such a good system, and he's got a great caddy that reads greens really well with him. Even if his putting is struggling, Ted Scott is, is a really good green reader, so he's got – a good ally there, and right. he's been so consistent in the major. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, Wyndham Clark winning, he beat a lot of guys. And it's not like he beat a leaderboard of, you know, a bunch of unknowns. I mean, he beat some of the big stars. And I like, as you kind of mentioned, it's so easy to like Ricky. One thing I noticed about him, though, he mentioned to me uh, in March when I talked with him at Bay Hill that when he played in the final group, when he last played in the final group of a major with Roy McIlroy, right, 2014 at the Open Championship, where they're going this year at uh, Liverpool, I said, what was the feeling on Sunday? And he said, well, things can get really, can move quickly on Sunday. You know, you have to, like, slow yourself down. You have to walk slower. You have to slow down your swing. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if that's what happened to Ricky again, where he said, you know what I mean? Like, obviously, he shot five under that in 2014 at the Open, but he couldn't chase down Rory. Like, Rory won by two. He finished second to Rory. But I wonder what happened with Ricky's nerves on Sunday, right? He shoots five yeah. over par. Yeah. And I remember he didn't have a press conference this week at Travelers, and Kira Dixon from the Golf Channel asked him a few questions. She asked him specifically, what happened with your nerves? And he kind of deflected it. And he said, well, I just putted. I didn't have the same putting stroke, you know, stroke yeah. or, or my iron game. My irons were not as precise as they were the first three days. And then that's, you know, that's what it comes down to, blah, blah, blah. But he never really addressed the nerves. And I'd be curious that, you know, maybe there's a time to catch up with Ricky before the next major. But, wow, how did he feel and how much did the nerves affect him? Because, I mean, he was just a different player to be able to to shoot five over versus what he did the other days. You right. know, I understand, I mean, the, the pressure of a major is tough, but, he was a different player, and I just wonder how much that got to him, and and how he he he's, he dealt with that, and continues to deal with that, um, you know, internally. Yeah, uh, it's so interesting. There's so much that with all these guys, you know, there are a lot of people who say they they know golf and they're golf fans, and and then react to things like they've never watched a golf tournament before. It's golf. I mean, a lot of stuff happens with these guys, with the best player in the world. 
here's something else I want to talk to you about. Speaking of LACC, um, I saw on your Twitter account, this is how I found out about it, that the USGA made it official they're going back to Riviera for the 2031 U.S. Open. And as we all know, that'll be here before we know it. Um, right. And you said, so what do we think? And then I was looking through your answers. I was at, the last time it was there was in 95 for the PGA Championship, mm-hmm. the last time a major was there. I was at that PGA Championship uh, all four days. Peter Jacobson is a very close friend of mine. And I went and spent four days walking that golf course uh, with Peter. And I personally, I love that golf course. I've played it. I think it's a great choice to have it. Some people were saying, talking about the infrastructure. And Well, if they saw what happened at LACC this week, infrastructure is apparently not that big a deal to the USGA. Because the infrastructure at LACC, I didn't think, and most people... Uh, allowed for the kind of crowds and different things we usually see in a major. Yeah, and I also heard that the range like was uh, only could fit like thirty or thirty-five players at a time. They had to kind of take turns, yeah. and and also with Riviera, the the range that's there at the PGA Tour event is just just squeezed in. It doesn't even feel like it's a full range. It feels right. like maybe it's two hundred and fifty <laughs> yards, right. and it's squeezed in right next to the second hole, and then you got the eleventh hole right on the other side of the netting on the right side of the range. Like it just barely fits on the property. So if you're talking about a full field of one hundred and fifty six players, I mean that's that's going to be really hard to fit everybody in at Riviera. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's going to be size wise, real estate infrastructure. I, I just don't know how you're going to get the crowds that you could get at some of these opens. I think of Bethpage Black or some of these places that have bigger properties. Um, but it's a great course. The players love it to a man. Yeah. So, I mean, well, we, again, and you're getting that West Coast finish, right. which is huge. We'll see. But here's the thing. I love that this U.S. Open L.A., for us here on the East Coast, we were up late watching it, and it's totally different. The final major is the complete opposite. We'll be done by one o'clock in the afternoon on Sunday watching the Open Championship. So we got that going for us now this time, too. Uh, Anything else that's caught your attention before I let you go in terms of this golf season? Yeah, I I think uh, pre-merger news, uh, at the end of May, I did catch up with uh, Dustin Johnson. Yes, yes. Golf event in D.C., and I asked him about um, just – Actually, I asked about his schedule. I said, so what's your plan? You know, this is before the merger was talked about. What's your plan outside of majors and the live events? Are you going to add any Asian tour events? Do you need to get more reps or more than just the, what, 18 tournaments a year? And he's like, no, that's plenty. Like, I'm just going to play the majors, the four, and, and that's it. And, and, and that's enough for me. So I wonder if once they do merger and we go into next year, like, is Dustin going to stick to his guns and just be like, I, I don't care about Pebble. I, if I'm, if yeah. I'm welcome back at certain PGA Tour events, I don't care about some of my old favorites. Like, in the end, like, I, I, I'm i used to this lifestyle now. He said something about, like, hey, hopefully sooner than later I'll be I'll, I'll be able to spend more time around my kids and my wife. And, I, you know, I, I just don't want to overdo it. But so 
I wonder where, where the rubber's going to meet the road with some of these guys who've already gone to live and, and how much they'll come back to tour events if they are indeed like invited back, you know? Yeah. Uh, and of course, there's so much still to be uh, discussed, and we won't find out about this stuff with this proposed merger. And it's not even really that, but that's the only word we can use uh, between the tours and everything that's still in front of us. It'll be incredibly interesting, and for us, you know, those of us that cover golf, it'll absolutely be interesting. Thanks so much for spending a few minutes with me, Garrett. I always love talking to you, and uh, we'll catch up again real soon. Yeah, sounds good, Matt. Great okay. to catch up. Take care. All right, that'll do it. Having fun here with Sean. <laughs> that'll do it for another episode of Backspin Golf. I hope you get out today. And play some golf. I hope you got a chance to play yesterday. It's the weekend, people. Come on. Let's go. If I can do it, you can do it. Uh, As always, thank you, thank you, thank you to my guests, the incredible Chuck Culpepper. Just incredible. All my guests are incredible. Justin Tereshko, our Kentucky State Am winner and head golf coach at EKU. Go Colonels. And finally, Garrett Johnston, uh, who just does some great, great work. Always glad to have him aboard. And, of course, speaking of being aboard, our great partners, Commonwealth Credit Union, Georgetown Advantage Air, Critter Control Truly Nolan, Edwin Watts, French Lick Resort, Gearheads of Nicholasville, Maple Leaf Roofing Systems, Wowing Central Kentucky One Roof at a Time, and... Lexington Parks and Rec for our five great golf courses. Thanks to Justin, Curtis, everybody with our great courses. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of your day. TSPN 92.5 and 1300 A. Backspin Golf with Matthew Lawrence is brought to you by Lexington Parks and Recreation.